Welcome to Confessions of a Sales Pro. My very special guest this week is a gentleman by the name of Dr. Eric Recker. Eric is a dentist, husband, father, keynote speaker, elite success coach, author, pilot, mountain climber, and recovering triathlete. Eric makes his home in Pella, Iowa. Eric has been on tops of many mountains, and he has found out that the answer he was looking for wasn't at the summit at all. Through his unique journey, including rounds of burnout and nearly walking away from his dental practice, he has a desire to help individuals and organizations on their journeys. In his second half of life, he is committed to helping people shorten the distance to becoming their best versions and learning to win the now. Eric, thank you so much and welcome to the podcast. Ian, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. It's, uh, it's great. I know you're busy. Uh, you're doing some traveling right now. So thanks for making the time uh, to, to share your wisdom and your experience with, with myself and, and our listeners today. Uh, your bio talks a lot about burnout and, and some of the some of the, you know, the, the, the journey that you went through to get through it. So you've been on quite a crazy journey, Eric, to, to, to just say the least. As you look back on it and nearly walking away from your dental practice years ago, what have you learned and how can you help others with their challenges in life? Yeah, that's a great question, Ian. So uh, good news is it'll only take me about three hours to answer that question. So we should be all set then. But I, I am uh, a big fan of not seeing life as a marathon or a sprint because to me, both of those are races. I see life as a journey. And I have been through three significant rounds of burnout uh, on my journey. And the last one got me very close to selling my practice. And as I look back on those, doing sort of a forensic investigation of what happened when I was burned out, I know that two things were definitely a play each of those times. One of those was that I was overcommitted. And the second was that I wasn't taking care of myself. And the overcommitments weren't necessarily bad things. There were just a lot of things. The first round of burnout I had was in 2008 to 2009. I was uh, signed up for two Ironman triathlons. I had just purchased my dental practice. I was in the process of building a new office. I was coaching both of my young kids in soccer, and I was uh, on three boards all at the same time. So I look back on that and I think, how in the heck did I get there? Well, I didn't sign up for all of those things on one day. So I kind of think that burnout is a slow fade to get to the point where I was, which included uh, headaches, chest pain, heart palpitations, and even panic attacks. So what I've learned along that journey is that we have got to take care of ourselves. We have got to find ways to refuel. We got to find ways to get our tank filled back up. Uh, we have to find ways to assess our commitments. What things are we signed up for and what things are we doing? And are those things actually friends to our destiny? Do they actually align with what we're hoping to achieve uh, in life with our goals and with our families? Or are they just extra? So those are a couple of things that I've learned uh, and and I love talking to people about this on their journeys with burnout. 
it's fascinating. And, and I really like how you framed it, like over committing to things. And of course, you didn't do it all in one day, but we've got to learn to say no and, and you know, put, give ourselves some priority. I like how you talk about care of self. Got to refill our own tanks, right? We just can't be. It's great to help people in the world, but if we don't look after ourselves, we can't really be much help to anyone. So I really like how you you framed that, uh, Eric. And, you know, there's there's some, some thoughts that I have about that. Like, what is the false sense of urgency? And I, I think it's something we do to ourselves. And, and when did you discover that it was a problem for you and others you've encountered? Yeah, so to put this in 2023 language, uh, the false sense of urgency is like a background app that is constantly running on our phones and on our devices. So we all know what it's like when uh, we see which apps are open on our phones and there's maybe 20 or 30 things running on there. Well, the false sense of urgency is like one of those apps that runs in the back of our brain. And what that what it is constantly telling us is that we haven't done enough. We aren't doing enough. We can't rest. We can't slow down. We have to have something that, to show for our time. I definitely think the false sense of urgency plagues high achievers. Uh, and I'm guessing, Ian, that most of the people who are listening to this podcast uh, are would classify as high achievers, those people who just their lives and their work is just a little bit above much of the general population. So I think it's important that we recognize that false sense of urgency. And it hit so hard for me during COVID when my dental practice had to be closed for eight weeks. So there were so many things to learn from PPP loans to webinars about infection control and all the new things that were going to happen, how life was going to look so much different in vaccines and treatments, and we should donate all our supplies to hospitals and all of this stuff that was hitting us all at once. It was an opportunity for us to find some rest, but I think a lot of us did not rest because we were constantly plagued by that false sense of urgency. So intriguing. Uh, a false sense of urgency. I like, I like your analogy to it being an app on your phone. Uh, that, that we're never finished. We have to, there's still something else I got to get done today. Right now, let's go, let's go. And it's like, a, our own sort of mental treadmill we put ourselves on and, and we just keep running. And, and you're right that eventually all of this quantity is going to affect the quality. So keeping things in balance, I, I think that's a, a great thing you've underscored there for sure. And listen, you've been on, you know, mountaintops and, and, and didn't, find what you were looking for. And, and you would think from the summit, you'd see your whole life and what you wanted, but you didn't. Can you tell us a little more, expand a little more on that for us, uh, Eric, in terms of your experience? Yeah. So I'm, I am a, a chaser. I'm a thrill of the chase kind of guy. And I've learned that about myself. It goes all the way back to bullying when I was on the recess playground. And I grew up in Iowa and in Iowa in the early 80s, recess kickball was life. So when I was 8, 9, and 10 years old, playing kickball on the recess field was life. And I was told that I wasn't good enough to play. Not just that I was picked last, I was told that I wasn't good enough to play. And after you start to hear that, there's different things that you can do, even as a little kid. But I remember my third grade self very clearly standing on the sidelines 
of that field where all my friends were playing or I didn't have many friends. All the people in my class were playing kickball. And I made a pact that I was going to be so darn good at everything that I ever did that nobody was ever going to not pick me. And so that caused me to overcompensate in so many things that I did in my life. I would never be happy with myself. I would never be content. I would never think that what I had done was enough. So that translated from uh, all the way through dental school, but then into uh, the discretionary part of my life. So 5K wasn't enough. 10K, half marathon, marathon, still not enough. I um, Triathlon, all the way through Ironman distance. It just wasn't enough. And I found myself the week of doing the Leadville 100 mountain bike race. That was going to be on Saturday. And Wednesday morning, we decided, Tuesday, we drove out to Leadville, Colorado. And Wednesday morning, we decided to do what all Flatlanders do, and that's uh, climb a 14er the next day. So I was standing atop of that 14er in the best shape of my life, Mount Princeton. And I looked around at all the beauty of creation and all of that. And the thought that came to my mind was, if you don't know why you're climbing the mountain, you're not going to find the answer at the top. So that was life-changing for me. And I finally realized that I was just doing all these things to do them, to try to prove to people that, that I was good enough. And the reality was, if I didn't know, if I didn't have a why for why I was chasing all of this stuff, if I didn't understand myself and know what I was actually trying to accomplish with this, I was going to get to the top, continuously get to the top of these mountains, and it was going to feel like a hollow accomplishment. So I had to step back and understand, you know, why am I doing this? What am I actually searching for? What is my why? And what am I actually really wanting to chase in this life? That's fascinating. I, I love your, your kickball story, uh, Eric, the, the reference to it. And, and the thrill of the chase. I mean, that's got to be uh, one of your future books. That's a good title for one of your future books, for sure. <laughs> but you took, you took that kickball experience and gave yourself some self-challenge. And I think there's huge wisdom in that. Uh, but the, 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 the thing you found out on the mountain was you didn't know your why. So I think there's a magic lesson there for all of our listeners. You've got to know your why. If you know your why, you'll figure out the how and the what and the when. All the other things will, will, will align. But without the why, it, it, it's, it, it's empty. And I think that's, uh, that's something you, you really discovered and, and are now sharing with people, which is fascinating. Um, your yeah, book. And, and you're, you're, go ahead. Go ahead, Eric. Go ahead. Yeah, I just think that we have so many people, uh, and I was one of them, that we go through life and it gets pretty gray. So we get up, we go to work, we come home from work, we eat the same thing, we watch the same stuff on TV, we go to sleep, and then we do it again. So I think if we don't know why, we don't have a bigger overarching purpose for why we're doing what we're doing, then life just gets gray and we get in a slump. And we got to find a way to break out of that slump. And for me, it was I needed to work with someone else to help me take a second look at what I was doing uh, and help me discover what I wanted out of this life. So I wasn't just chasing for the sake of chasing the rest of my life. Like how you phrased it, getting out of the gray and, and adding color to your life, right? Like figuring out what color you want 
again, the why is such a huge, huge thing to, to discover for oneself. And your book, Eric, your, your book, Win the Now, which is a fabulous title. Uh, can you explain some of the Win the Now concepts and, and how it's actually changed your life? Yeah, so we went going back to the, the false sense of urgency, that background app that's always running in our mind. And what it does, I think, is it keeps us either stuck in the past, we're thinking about all the things that happened to us, or worried about the future, all the things that are going to happen to us. And so when we're in either of those places, we miss the one guaranteed thing that we actually have in our life, and that's the now. That's the current moment that we're living in. Right now, the now is you and me having a great conversation, Ian, adding value to the listeners and being able to really be in this present moment. Uh, later today, it's going to involve, hopefully, if we get enough snow here, some uh, snowshoeing. Uh, but what I do is I look at my life and what the different nows are in my life. Because I used to look at it as a whole day. And I don't know about you, Ian, but if you, I have a lot of interactions with people throughout the day, whether it's in my dental practice or when I'm working with coaching clients or speaking clients, I can have a lot of interactions in a day. So if I reduce my day to just one thing that happened, I can look at my day as reduced to that thing. I can say, this happened to me when my wife used to ask me, hey, how was your day? I would say, oh, this happened to me. So we can define our day by the lowest common denominator. But what when the now says is it looks at all of the different nows in our life, whether it's a meeting, whether it's a lunch with a client, uh, whether it's lunch, dinner with your family at night, uh, whether it's uh, some discretionary time on the weekend. And each of those nows, what does a win look like? And how can we chase after those wins? So we look at life more as an opportunity for wins. And then if we do take a loss, which is going to happen, we take a look at that loss when we have a little time and say, okay, what can I learn from this loss? And if I can learn something, guess what? It's not a loss anymore. It becomes a win. And then we can start getting win streaks and start to feel like we have momentum. So it's a way to take ourselves from past or future living get us right back into the present and look for wins both for us and for others. Love what you said there. I, and and just, just to, to reiterate a little bit, being stuck in the past, and many of our listeners, self-included, sometimes we do get stuck in the past where we can't let go of something in our, in our minds, something that happened to us, uh, and then worrying about the future. Uh, a wise man once told me, you know what worry does? Absolutely nothing. It actually robs your now is what it does do, right? It, it, it takes you away from now because you're worried about something that hasn't happened yet. And, and so uh, when, what does a win look like? I like how you phrase that. Uh, and, and yes, we're not going to win every game we play. We're going to lose. Otherwise, we're not playing hard enough. It, it's like when I used to try and snowboard. Um, if I'm not falling, I'm not, I'm not pushing myself, right? So I've got to not just do it gently. I've got to push myself a little harder and, and you're going to lose. And if we can unplug the emotion from the logic, we can learn from those losses. How can I do it better next time? What, what didn't I think about? What, how come I lost that deal? Was it price? Was it the relationship? Did I not explain the value? There's lots of ways we can 
we can learn things like you're talking about. Uh, so how are you helping? I'm fascinated by, by your, your methodology, your mindset with this, Eric. How are you helping others specifically on their journeys? And why would an organization hire you to help them? Yeah. Boy, I love what you said there, Ian, about if we, if we don't have any losses, uh, we're not playing hard enough. I think it's vitally important that we don't play not to lose. We do have to play to win. But when we do lose, even the best baseball teams, and I'm a big baseball fan, even the big ba- best baseball teams in history lost about a third of their games. Yeah. So I think we need to remember that. And if you bat 300 in baseball, guess what? You're probably in the Hall of Fame for your career. So that's getting a hit three out of 10 times. So I think we need to not be so hard on ourselves. And if I look back on the li- on my life at the things that I thought were really crappy that happened at the time, what can you learn from those things? Because down the road, those might be the biggest blessings that you have. So I think the way you phrase that is just excellent. But how am I helping other people? So I love to do one-on-one coaching with people who are kind of in similar circumstances that that I was. They're stuck. Uh, they're struggling to find wins. They're not sure what their why is. How do they find a life that they want to go forward in and not get a vacation from all the time? How do we find that life that we really want? But with organizations, and this this has been super fun lately, Um, I have a workshop I do called the dam analogy. And what the dam analogy is, it's all about the flow of energy that we have in our lives. So on one side of the dam is the lake and the other side of the dam is the river. And we are the dam. So we are going to have a constant outflow. Uh, Every dam has to let some water out to keep things going. My question for for audiences is what are we doing to refill? So what things are we doing uh, in that outflow that are draining us and which are necessary and which ones aren't necessary? And then if that lake level gets low and we're still outflowing, guess what that leads to? Burnout. So my hope is that in teaching this workshop and the, the feedback has been awesome lately, um, just people's eyes are open to, oh man, I was only focused on the outflow side. And I say, yeah, almost everybody is. So giving people self-awareness of this and then giving some concrete tools to assess where you're at in the present moment, honestly assess that. And what do we need to do to help get you filled back up and maybe say a few strategic no's to some of those things that you've said yes to that are draining you. It's fascinating. So, so Eric, you, you, I, I wrote down a few W's here. Uh, I love the water level analogy. If you're not refilling, it's, it's, it's burnouts uh, ahead. Uh, so you help with your, your, your consulting and your coaching practice. Eric, you help people with their why. You help them get more wins. You help them achieve more of their wants. And you help them decrease their worries. So there's a bunch of W's there that, that, that you impact people with, which is just fantastic. Hey, listen, Eric, before we let you go, this has been fascinating. I know you've, you've scratched a lot of heads and our listeners are probably, you know, wanting to get a hold of you or get their hands on your book. How can our listeners best reach out to get a hold of you, Eric? Yeah, the best place to reach me is through my website, just my name, ericrecker.com. 
There's links to uh, having a conversation about one-on-one coaching or speaking. There's a link to order my book through there, uh, links to my social media channels and also to my blog. So that's the easiest place to go. And I'm a hugely relational person, so I'd love to have a conversation. That's fantastic. Again, Eric, thank you on behalf of the listeners and myself. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your experience with us today. Thank you, Ian. This has been a real pleasure for me. That's fantastic. Thanks again, Eric. And thank you all for listening to Confessions of a Sales Pro. If you have found this episode informative and helpful, we would be honored and appreciative if you would share this podcast with other great salespeople like yourself. And we look forward to you joining us for all new episodes weekly, every Thursday. Please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. If you'd like us to help you grow your sales commissions, visit us at salesmentoryou.com. Confessions of a Sales Pro. Lessons, more wins. With Ian Selby.